Welcome back to the We Was Detectives podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. I'm your other host, Chanel. And we are back for episode five or part five of True Detective Night Country, the penultimate episode, second to last episode. So, you know, in pure HBO fashion, a bunch of crazy shit happened, just like most of this series in the penultimate episode. Um, but before we get into that, just remember you can rate us and review us. Uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast at Google Podcasts, leave us five stars. If you do, we'll read it on the air. You can also mm-hmm. email us at we was dragons pod at gmail.com. Uh that's we was dragons pod at gmail.com. And we'll read that on the air. And speaking of emails, we actually got two emails since the last episode that Chanel was going to read. Yes, man. I was checking to be at new reviews and those two one star reviews are still joshing me okay so um thank you to robert williams for emailing us he said hello there enjoy the dragons podcast a possible reformatting may be a good idea at this point listening to the true detectives podcast of three and four consisted of subject matter completely off topic people are busy and among all the podcasts out there they choose to tune into your show what i do believe that they are ready and waiting for in the beginning is about the show and not Chanel complaining about whatever or whomever. That's a that's a sick burn. Hold on, let me. T- I think my computers are moving slow. There we go. Uh, if it was for only a few moments, but twenty minutes or more, it is disrespectful to your audience. Disrespectful hurt my feelings. That wasn't my intention. Talk about it at the end of the podcast after your thoughts about the episode. If you continue, at least let the listeners know at what point time-wise they can forward to in the podcast to hear the show that brought them here in the first place. We was wanting to hear about the episode. Okay. Sign mojo sign Rob sign mojo. Oh shit. Should I not have said Robert Williams? Sorry. Uh sign mojo. So I would just say this. Um, thanks for your notes. And you know, I thanks for your notes. It's fair feedback. Sometimes the chatting in the beginning gets us going or gets me going. It gets me into the mood to podcast because if we jump right into the show, that requires a lot more seriousness than I'm bringing to the table. And also, sometimes the episodes are tough to like. We t- I appreciate that you guys like us talking through them, but sometimes it's tough to like get excited about because it's so, it's just so slow. But with that said, timestamps is fair. And, um, you know, in my mind, we were giving y'all some extra, some good, good. And in your mind, you're like, who gives a fuck? So I hear you Um, on the flip side. And I do appreciate that feedback, Mojo. Appreciate it. We hear you. We will uh, try to cut it down to 18 minutes max. Okay, so second email was, um, hey, y'all, just listened to your recap of episode three, and I really enjoyed it. Y'all are funny as hell, and I'm binging the rest of the episodes now, trying to find recaps and commentary about this season that is in Butterhurt White Boys was a journey for real. And I can't even imagine what the other podcasts about the show are giving, Brandon. Like, I, because so who else is out here? I listen to stuff. So the, so the big podcast actually came back this year. For the show. So like Prestige TV is doing like a deep dive on this and Vanity Fair is doing podcasts on this. Some are better than and all the YouTube channels are doing videos on this this year. And so it's interesting that they came back for this, but I think it's because it remind like it has so many um it has so many references to season one. And so mm. a lot but but there I haven't heard I've only heard one other black 
there's a black YouTuber who actually did a pretty good job, actually, that I listened to last week. Uh, did a good job recapping the show, but most of them are white people. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that perspective to bring to this is unique, I think. Um, and so actually we got an email that I meant for us to respond to a while back from uh, a pod- an indigenous podcast who wanted to do like a, like a co thing together for their podcast and with this show, which was interesting. Uh, oh, so I'll respond I- it. Oh, I didn't see that. But yeah, so I, I get where she's coming from with that. Some people are better than others. Uh, but I think the perspective of I think there's a lot of white people who are just mad. <laughs> They've been mad since season one because it's not Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Uh and so every season I mean season two was objectively not good. But besides that, like I think a lot of people were just mad that it's not those two and then this season it's like oh troop detectives coming back and then they turn on the tv and they see jody foster and uh indigenous half indigenous half cape verdian woman that they never heard of as a star and they're just like okay like what are we doing here right and so uh i think naomi is absolutely right that like some of those people are just mad for no reason well we know the reason but not a good reason I'm looking at this email again. Let me pull it out of here. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot going on. Uh, and I appreciate you guys finding us because whenever HBO does a new show that has a name like this, as Brandon said, it's connected to a hit season of a show. You know, like we're just trying to get noticed. So I, I do appreciate it. Um, back to the email. So uh, I haven't seen other seasons. Solely watched this one because I saw some pics of Navarro. So again, we're talking about her the journey to find podcast. I saw some pics of Navarro and she got my gay ass. The flesh is weak. Why lie? Uh, This one is great so far. Glad I stumbled upon your podcast and extra glad to find out y'all are black. We are. You two verbalize every thought I have about this show. I love hearing that. I love the show and how both women are are presented. They're allowed to be complex and aggressive and give no fucks and also dress like regular people because it's cold as fuck where they're at and that's reality. And that's a great point. Like there's no (laughs) there's no bosoms. You know what I mean? Like there's no short shorts. It's like they just dress like regular women. Um, Honestly, I care more about the relationship dynamics and the mystery at this point. Fair enough. Liz and Leah, especially Liz cares, but she won't just come out and say it and trying to keep Leah isolated from her community isn't the answer, but she refuses to see that because these people are miserable as hell and I love mess. There's a thread of loneliness that I think they're unraveling really well with the storytelling. And I think it's rare to see women in particular get to explore this abrasive form of vulnerability with this kind of depth. Um, Okay, I'll I'll summarize it. I'll summarize the rest. Um, she also hates Hank, uh, she, and we'll get into that. Um, we also are sad about Navarro and Julia, which was that was a crazy loss at the last episode. Um, and then she likes the ending of episode five. And she said, in the end, I don't know how this is going to wrap up. I'm excited to see how it ends. I don't want to see anyone getting a happy end. I don't see anyone getting a happy ending, but I think it'll be satisfying nonetheless. Looking forward to listening to your take on the finale. Naomi, uh, thank you, Naomi, for sending in the email. We appreciate you. And um, thank you, Mojo, as well. All feedback is welcome. Um, But if you guys could head right on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcast app is and give us five stars or a rating, that would be wonderful so that we could continue to share out the show um anyway so thanks guys you know obviously the super bowl was yesterday and there's a lot to be said but we don't talk about these things until after the episode or do you want to do timestamps? 
Uh, I got, I'm going to try to do the timestamps, but if you're listening, just jump ahead five minutes and we'll get into the show. But I do want to say this before that. Uh, we did. T- I don't know if uh, Naomi, if you listened since episode one, but uh, no, you say you called us episode three. But Chanel was quick to point out uh, Navarro and uh, the shape that she was in. So we did touch on that uh, yeah. in the first. And I'm episode. not even gay. I could just recognize that she's hot. She's hot. Like she looks so good. She's in amazing shape. She's so cool. So yeah, I mean yeah, I, I understand that like the women. The women who like women, the men who like women, the people who like people would all be like, yeah, this is she's that bitch. So um, absolutely. We like to objectify here. We would do it when we can. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? So I was driving. Um, I was driving the other day, like last week, and I pulled up to the stop sign and I'm in Texas, so it was warm. And it was this like white woman in her mid 50s. And probably in the mid 50s, I'm guessing. And she had a, a uh, like a BMW convertible. And so she had the top down because it was warm. And she was blasting <laughs> Akinelli, put it in your mouth. <laughs> and I wanted to know, I wanted to ask so many questions about like how that got to that point in her life to be doing that at 50 some years old in Texas. Uh, so I had so many questions, but the light turned green, I didn't ask. So then. I turned the song on because I had not listened to that song in a very long time. And so I turned the song on. And did you know that at the end of the song, he says, people around, he basically says, like, people around the world, whether you like pussy or dicks, it's your pick, right? But he said, mm-hmm. like, people, like people, not men or women. He said, people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, was this like the first, like, uh, <laughs> Was this, uh, was this a song? Was this song progressive? And so then I looked me back yeah. and I was like, they had a man's, they had a man part, and then they had a woman part, and they both got equal time on the verse. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? I never thought about this. So that was just like a funny take that I had with that. Yeah, um, re- I know that was rethink, random. Rethink your parents' hip hop. It was better than you think it was. My so parents. What? See, this is why you're young. You're, my parents. <laughs> <laughs> that was 1996. <laughs> Am I young if 1996 is, am I young, if I, am I young in 2024, if I was not grown in 1996? If you weren't grown, but you, you didn't, did you know that song existed in 1996? I was not, I was not in an age where I was listening to <laughs> music in 1996. So is exactly. that what you're saying? So yes, so yes, you are young. <laughs> so that makes me young for real. Yes. That's crazy. It's okay. Now I feel old. But yeah, you wanted to talk about the Super Bowl. So what you what what are your observations? Well, clearly, you know, fuck both teams, right? We're already clear on that. Um well, not fuck both but, teams. I like Patrick Mahomes. I root for the black quarterbacks. No comment. Moving on. I just Oh, you're anti black? You anti black now? Huh? I think you know I think you know what my issue is there, and I'm we don't even have to get into it. Oh, because you got a white mama? See, I knew it. So anyway, the game was the game was all right. Like the game was like not that riveting. I guess overtime is a big deal, obviously, but like overtime was kind of crazy. And then um, like the momentum, it's the way it is. What is wild is how quickly they scored at the end. Like when the Chiefs scored, they scored like 
within seconds of the play, like when they did actually make it. Um, and so I thought that was, you know, whatever. It was a fine game. Um, how did you feel about Usher's concert? I got to be right about Alicia Keys. I don't know. I don't know. It is not something we've discussed, but mm-hmm. I've been podcasting like 10 years. And one of my reoccurring takes is that Alicia Keys is not that great of a singer, particularly live. <laughs> like she has, she's an unbelievable songwriter and a great pianist. Mm-hmm. But as a singer, eh, it's a hit and miss proposition. And she got up there and that first first three mm-hmm. bars was a struggle. She got it together though, but what's wild is that they've edited that video. If you go and look it up now, no, they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Isn't I that did not know that. Yeah. I also uh, have to I... say Chanel was right and I was wrong. About what? You said that Beyonce is gonna do a country album. And she's doing I've been album. over that. I've been knew I was right about that one. You I didn't know you was right till yesterday. First of all, let me tell you this. When I when I when she did that Verizon commercial, and at the end she said, Now drop the new music, I looked up and I said, Check your phones. And we checked our phone, and 10 minutes later, there were two new songs. And I knew for a fact my girl was not gonna do a cold commercial and not drop something. It just wasn't going to happen. It's just not. Super Bowl is her time. I don't care. Somebody said Beyonce proposed at Usher's wedding, but I'm like, at the end of the day, like the Super Bowl yeah, is... That's a good analogy. <laughs> but it's hers. It's hers to do what she wants to do with it. It's just, we're living in her world. So, um, anyway, I just thought that was... Uh, you're right. I was right. Thank you for understanding that I was right. Um, and... That's a great analogy. I had not heard that, but that's a great analogy. But, yeah. you know, Usher, Usher's still getting his love. But because it's because yeah. the reason I saw some people that were like not upset, but were just like so like when the, when they do the halftime show, right? They don't get paid, and the reason they don't get paid is because in the I've read that like a lot of the artists are okay with not getting paid to do the halftime show is because they get to basically promote all of their shit and they end up mm-hmm. making more money than they probably would have made from doing like one performance, right? Because like mm-hmm. Usher get to say his tickets are on sale, the new album dropped. Mm-hmm, they get mm-hmm. put at the top of Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Title, like right there. Collection goes to the top, so they get all those plays, right? And the people are like, "Oh, I remember that song. That was my shit." And they go and play mm-hmm. that shit, right? So they end up making more money than what they were making. And so the the person was like, "Yeah, Usher was about to get in his bag and get his tickets sold, and then and get his downloads up, and then everyone just went and downloaded Title and <laughs> to listen to Beyonce, <laughs> which is funny." Oh well, I actually think to be fair. There were some people who um there were some people who bought their Usher ticket during his 15 minutes. Like there were people sharing oh, yeah. online, like I went ahead and cop. So I do oh, I really? hear what you're saying. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, like just within my small network. So mm-hmm. I will say that like if people were gonna go, they were gonna go before he did this concert. And then there's gonna be some people who go now, and there's gonna be some people who go later. So like if it one thing I do like is he ran first of all, he ran through that catalog, like like just skipping like he was skipping stones on the on the water surface but then um he really reminded you like what his you know what i'm saying he reminds you what he's about and the fact that like you are missing out by not doing any one song for too long so i really fuck with that yeah i thought it was i thought it was entertaining it was good to see all the little people show up i i i asked my wife 
did Ludacris have a wig on? Because I had not realized he grew his hair back. I had not realized that. He had he had his cornrows in the um State Farm commercial. Oh, okay. See, there you go. So that's how that's how you know I'm not hip to these things. Yeah, that's I, I why... had no idea. So instead of me being young, maybe you're old. You ever thought about that? Yes. You being young makes me feel old. That's what I, that's exactly. I'm not that young. Okay. I'm not that young, but you're like definitively old. Anyway. My, my number doesn't begin with a four, so I'm not old yet. That's fair. Well, um, you know, that I mean that's pretty much it. Like the Super Bowl was chill. It was like nothing crazy. I really do think we need to divest from that lady. Like y'all are really gassing that lady in a way that is just confusing to me. Like y'all gas just to see that lady. Like you can't go on the internet and see her at any given time. Like, what is that about? I thought it was it just like didn't make no sense. I don't know why they had to keep showing her. Well, I, well, I do know why they kept showing her. They kept showing her because people get mad and then people gas her. It's like one of those things where what they say, like any publicity is good publicity. I don't typically mm-hmm. believe that. But like if you turn on Twitter, half the tweets are what you say, people overhyping and gassing her. And the other tweets are like, she's trash and she's ruining football. And she's like, and it's like, what are y'all doing? Like, why is this? She's so she's so boring to me. She's not that yeah. polarizing at all. Like to yeah. hate her or love her. Like she's just she like just, there. she's in there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's such a wrong. weird, it's just such a weird dynamic with that to me. Whenever I see Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, no, I Anything agree. Else? Yeah, so it's just a, yeah, no, I mean that's pretty much it. Like it wasn't that that exciting of a Super Bowl. No, Did they win two the years first in a row. Half. Who who won yeah, last year? They won two years in a row. Yep. Oh, like I said, they're building some now. I mean, it's cool. Can't look. All I know is you can't be Super Bowl champion tw- two times a year and have poor people in your city. You know what I'm saying? Like, we really got to fix it, fix the systems because if you go through Kansas City and anybody's unhoused and them motherfuckers just brought home two gold trophies, I don't know. <laughs> they got they got the goat. What can I say? Well, that's that. Okay. Uh, I hope that you are happy, Mojo. We will forget to put timestamps, I'm sure. No, Our intention forget. is to put timestamps. Okay. What time is it? See, here's a problem. The time for us and the time on the timer is two different things. Yeah, but I can I can see that when I do the editing. I got I got I got him. I got Robert. You got a system. All right. So episode five. Before we start, what you what you think overall about this episode? Um, they're moving fast. Yeah, I think we talked about that last episode that they were going to have to move fast because it wasn't. Four, fifth, yeah. done, four six done exactly and so i think just because of because of that it's like i don't know if i'm super duper like with this pace and like i'm not sure that i'm super duper um how do you say like i don't know if i'm caught up because i think a lot happened and it i mean it felt fine but it just felt rushed and this is when i started to think and i know this is like a crazy thought but this one started to be like should this be a movie you know what I'm saying? Like, is this a movie? Well, a if show? you remember a couple episodes ago, I was telling you that like six episodes is really tough. Like, just as like, like in my old when I in my old podcast days when I was actually a critic, like the six the six episode thing is really tough to hit because it's just such a weird number, right? So like, 
a four episode is easy. You tell a quarter of the story each episode. Boom, 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 done, right? And then 10 episodes, you tell half in the first half, you tell half in the second half, done. And then, the, you know, the old school TV, like with Scandal, when you had 22 episodes, you could just tell. I mean, that that's his own problematic thing, too, at the end, if you if you remember the end of Scandal. Uh, but you get time to flesh out your story. Six episodes is like, it's not four, so you can't just be, you got to have some exposition and time to build. But it ain't 10 either, so you can't, like, focus on too many different things or else you're going to be rushing to pull them all together. And, like, I, I, we'll get to it in the, re, in the recap, but, like, the Kayla prior thing just seems like it's just thrown in there. Like, it's just, like, there's, like, I don't completely understand that entire situation at all. Like, it went from, it went from, oh, man, you hanging out a couple days to, you ain't really want to be with me and have this baby to get the fuck out of my house mm-hmm. <laughs> in three episodes. Like it just boom, 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 just escalated. Right. So like, that's a perfect example. I think is what you were talking about. Yeah. I think what they're trying to achieve with the Caleb thing, Caleb prior, which is a good example. is like this. Um, I mean, I think they show that she was fed up from the beginning and, but I think you had to like infer that she was fed up because it's, mm-hmm. I mean, actually, okay. I take that back. It is clear that she is fed up because of this relationship. And then what Hank said that like implies that she's like a Mrs. Robinson and there's a sexual element to it. But I think like what they got going on is probably even more impactful because it's like a she's she makes I I think my theory is that she makes him feel like he's bigger than, you know, he's more than that little town. You know what I mean? Like they, Mm -hmm. they sit down and they think through stuff and they solve crimes and she's not, she's not just his dad just getting paid for something. And like she said in this episode, you know, he only looks stupid. Right. So, but he's actually trying, she's actually doing like thought exercises with him and making sure they solve things effectively. So I say all that to say, like maybe the, the, maybe Kayla's just jealous um because of that dynamic and i think that's really what it comes down to i don't know if the baby shit makes sense as you said uh but you know it is what it is they're trying to make that work i guess the main thing is that this could all be built up for him being at her house i think like yeah that's that's what probably it was. what that yeah that's probably what it is because i mean the only other because I guess they probably worked it out and they were like, well, she could call him over, but why would she call him over when heist is coming over unless he's like all in on it? So it wouldn't make sense. So X, Y, you know, and then also like for Hank not to know uh, all mm-hmm. this is about the end, but um, I think it's possible. This is just a plot device for that entirely. I agree. Uh, all right, let's get into this episode. So the show starts off. You see a fire. It's the 14th day of night. And it appears to be a pet cremation place is what it appeared to be to me. Uh, but it looked like Navarro, uh, you know, she kind of got the hookup. And so she went there. I was like, look, man, uh, don't tell nobody, but can you take care of my sister? Because I want to go spread her ashes, you know, and to see where she wanted to be. But I'm not trying to go through all the red tape and all that nonsense. So can you handle this for me? And they handled it for her. Um which is interesting. And we find out later what else is about to happen with that uh, at the end of the episode. Uh, but she gives Navarro to earn, uh, which, you know, was a sad, it, you know, was kind of a sad way to kick off the episode to remind you of her sister's death. 
Um, and then they cut over to the lighthouse and Liz is visiting Otis and she asked him a bunch of questions about the case. He said, she was like, what about Raymond Clark? And she was like, look, that I don't know. I don't know him, but I did meet him. And he was asking mm-hmm. me all these questions about 30 years ago. My nigga, I'm high. I don't remember that yeah. shit. He's he's in withdrawals, by the way. So they found him in that cave. And he was talking about night country, night country. And it seemed like he was just super high or super out of it. Um, and what we're mm-hmm. realizing is that, uh, yeah, he was super high. But he also is, sorry, just to recreate. He is actually the engineer who knows the cave. I think if I remember correctly, he's an engineer who the knows caves. the cave. Yeah, he helped he map the, the cave mm-hmm. a million years ago. And then he's the one with that first set of injuries because yes. we, see, we think that there's something alive. I think there's something alive in the caves, unless it's like a whole, it's a person and it's all like a, a red herring. But um, we there might be something alive in the caves that he encountered because he tells her too in this, to- in this time they're talking that he doesn't even remember how he got his injuries. He just woke up one day and he wasn't in the caves anymore. So he was in the caves. He woke up with these injuries outside the caves, um, which is, which is very interesting. So that's how, that's why he's important because they need him. If they have, I guess they, they want to go to where Annie was, mur- they, they've recognized that Annie was murdered somewhere mm-hmm. different than where she was found. And so they want to go investigate the scene of the crime. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I understand why they need to go, three years later like what they i mean maybe ice preserves things or maybe they just need to see it for themselves but that is probably the only place where i'm like y'all are really like making this happen and honestly it's i don't i guess they're just like they're pressed for time because i i there's an artificial sense of urgency but now that i think about it it is urgent because again this is also recap they are uh the guy above her as police chief wants to outsource it case to anchorage mm-hmm. um there's a lot of tension with the mines and so you know there's always something going on there they already are like not really on the case and then you have um just i guess this sense of this sense of like if we don't solve this it might never get solved so those are all the things that are at play right now and the video if you remember the Andy k video was like i found it i found this thing that's going to take you know take these people down and then next thing you know, in this episode, they blew up the entrance to this place. So right. it's clearly something down there, even still, right. that's could affect it at the very right. least could affect yeah. the mines. Could affect yeah, the so mines. they're they're basically trying to go after it, like like Brandon just said, and they find that the mines are uh fucked up. They are and, so somebody intentionally blew up the mines. So nobody so can follow their tracks. Sorry. After no, you're good. You're good. After Otis did what Chanel said, he then asked Liz for some smack because mm-hmm. he's on. He's he's having withdrawals. She's Liz like, is like, I'm not giving you heroin. I'm not giving you no <laughs> H. Dog food. I don't walk around with dog food. And so then the bar shows up to pick her up, and Liz. The first thing Liz looks in the back, sees the urn. It was like, do you want to talk about this jewels thing? And Navarro, and you know, like we we've, we've talked about throughout this. Uh, season in a typical masculine faction was basically like I'm not finna talk about my feelings. Let's go work on this yeah. case. <laughs> yeah, she literally just says nope, and then and then she goes okay, great because I really didn't want to either. <laughs> That's kind of the bottom line. So then they cut to Pryor's house really quickly, and Kayla basically dropped the bag and was like, "Hey y'all, get the fuck out of here! Like, don't come mm-hmm. back." And Pryor was like, "But I paid the rent," and she was like. And great point. 
<laughs> and, and he took his ass out of there. Uh, so they cut back to uh, Navarro and Liz, and they basically making some talk, small talk. They end up talking about Leah. Liz is convinced that Leah is doing this shit just to fuck with her. She's just like she's just doing this to fuck with me. Um, and Navarro's like, uh, I don't think so, buddy. I don't think that's what this is about. Uh, and Liz is like, but look, she's turning into a radical. She's putting that shit on her face. She's going to these fucking protests. She's es- escalating each time. And without her saying it, what she's she's what she's saying is she's doing what Annie Kay was doing, and she's getting out of hand. And I don't want to she I don't want to lose her, but she can't say that shit, right? Because she's not capable at this point of expressing her feelings. So in her way, she's just like, oh, look at this radical leftist out here mm-hmm. pro, uh, protesting, like she's you know blah 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 type of thing. Yeah, I also think there's something to be said about if she admits. The any casing that she admits to the conspiracy and all the other stuff, right? So I just feel like yes, it's a lot to it's a lot to say they killed they whoever they is killed Annie K, and so therefore we need to protect Leah. Exactly. Uh, then they cut to Leah uh, while she was while they were talking, and she's actually putting the, the pain on her face and her girlfriend's face. Well, her soon to be ex girlfriend. Uh, yeah, we gonna talk uh, about her. Her ex girlfriend, her young girlfriend. Well, I guess she's like one year younger than her, so not really that much younger. Uh, her girlfriend's face, uh, who happens to be a white woman, uh, white girl. Sorry, not woman, a white girl. Uh, and it appears they're getting ready to go to a protest because you see a bunch of people in the background, um, like getting ready to go out in the build, making signs and shit, like they're about to go protest some shit. Um, Navarro and Liz go up to the cave that Otis pointed to on the map. And that shit was blown up. It's like they they blew up the entrance to the cave so that it's caved in. Uh, yeah, they meaning the mine, Silver Star yeah, Mine. Yeah, they so are they somebody because, yeah, because over, I guess I could just jump into this real quick. So basically, you know, we have been following the money all throughout and there's a scene we'll get to where we find that it all traced back to the mines financially and that land that they own belongs to Silver Sky Mine. And again, Silver Sky had a, we saw them earlier in that um they needed I think they also own so I think just to re- re- recap, the woman who owns the mine I think is the wife of the head police guy that No, that, she's not uh, his wife. Was, she's not his she? wife. She's just she just got him in his pocket because he's trying to run for mayor. But then why did he say why did she say Sorry, because she fucked fuck. his wife. <laughs> she fucked his her husband, just like she did everybody else in town. But I'm saying she was referring to him. She wasn't referring no. to every random guy. No, she was. She was like, she said, like your husband's a bad lay, whatever his name is, but it wasn't Connolly. It, she said some other name. Oh, is whoever... it the professor's name? It, okay, well, we need to. Yeah, we. I don't think we've met her husband. We just know that Liz fucked her. Of the mine lady and <laughs> mine lady, called? mine lady, silver sky, and true detective. Yeah, so anyway, um, we you know, she had slight not a lot, but slight leverage. Like, so Liz came to her to actually use a hockey rink before, so the mine even owns a hockey rink. Um, then she comes back around, okay, Kate McKittrick. Who is Kate McKittrick's cousin? Kate McKittrick. Um, and uh, she also came to her when, uh, what's her name, was 
Yeah, okay, I guess you're saying that it's a different person. We haven't met him yet. Yeah, we haven't Sorry met about him. that. So um okay. and then she came she came to her when uh Leah got ca- caught like spray painting over the mine, the offices for the silver sky. Um, and so she comes up again later and she's like real, she's real devious. Um well she gotta play the, you know, you gotta play the good side so you don't so they don't think you're doing the bad shit. So she had to she like I it's they're making it seem like she knows something about these murders, but she had to let them in the rink, or else it'd be like, why the fuck wouldn't you let them use the rink? Right. So like she's gotta like you gotta give a little mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. your ultimate devious shit. Yeah, I, I mean ultimately she yeah, and she's also done way more than this. Like it doesn't start here. Of oh, of course not. <laughs> uh and so then they cut to the uh they cut back to prior. And he's already at his daddy house, but he called. He sees Hank in the window singing this song. And I actually listened to a podcast that had Hank on, like as a guest. And he was talking really? about, yeah, the the actor that played Hank. And he was uh, talking yeah. about. <laughs> Wait, why did you just because <laughs> he wasn't? You might have thought he was in character. Oh, okay. Character on the show. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But he he was talking about how this song that uh, Issa Lopez had him creating. So, like, he made this mm. song. So, like, this is a made-up song that he created for the show. Uh, mm. And the song was oh, used that's to, cool. like, basically uh, foreshadow what was going to happen to him later on in the episode. And he says something about, like, you're forever bound to lose, so what's the use, right? Like, that's one the, that was one of the ending lines of his song. Um and so Pryor sees him in the in, through the window. Then he calls him, acts like he's not there. It's like, hey, man, Kayla threw me out. Can I get my old room back? And mm-hmm. Hank was like, yeah. oh, I'm just working on my truck. And Pryor was <laughs> like, hey, man, I just looked through the window. You ain't working on your fucking truck. Well, this. actually, I think it was more like, I think it was more like Pryor, Pryor recognized his dad was having, was like in his feelings. Yeah, and he was like, was okay, real. so I'm going to, I'm going to let my dad have that because he knows that you know he it's like this weird thing where the dad is abusive but he's still protective of him and wants to like mm-hmm. maintain his dignity or something like that so he definitely um yeah he definitely like tries to mind his own business and like he said he's like dad uh he he gives him some grace and said and like waits for five minutes before going in so that his dad doesn't know he was kind of having this moment or whatever he was doing so it's like it would be touching if it wasn't Hank. Yes. Yes. Hank is not a likable character. Hank has had some... It's obvious that Hank is easily manipulated, you can tell. Mm-hmm. It's obvious mm-hmm. that he's 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 both not smart and smart at the same time <laughs> that we've seen throughout these episodes, right? So, like, there's some things where they try to give you... They try to throw him a bone but the show makes it pretty clear that he's not a he's not someone to root for but he's he's more like one of those villains where you go i can i can see why this person is this way but still fuck you type of thing yeah exactly it's like he's not riding to his bone but it's it's yeah. almost worse cuz it's like you yeah. chose this and then you stayed in it and then you just dealt with the consequences so then they cut to the protests and they were chanting we were here before you and we'll be here when you're gone uh, they send this SWAT team in, which includes Navarro, which we find out is like the troopers. Because remember, she got 
she got demoted back to being a And trooper. I was thinking, how the fuck do they have SWAT gear out here? Like, wh- who is fucking it was, this? It was very, it was pretty mind. piss poor SWAT gear, though, because they had no guns. They rode up there with batons. <laughs> so it It's was, just funny, though, because it's like, um, it's like in the middle of fucking nowhere, they have a whole SWAT truck. It's probably because of the mine. They, this is probably not the first. I, no, I know but, that. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, that really how they get the money. Like, yeah. yeah, like, well, no, I understand how they get the money, but it's just so crazy to think, like, they have 300 people in a <laughs> right year. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, a big scuffle kind of breaks out. A protester ran up on a cop. The cop overreacted. Big scuffle. Which, by the way, by the it. way, they started out with a fence between them. So the fact that the security came from behind the fence into yeah. the area is like, it was just so so frustrating to see because you just like all y'all could do is like stay, keep it peaceful. The police don't have to get involved. Um, but like, as you said, it, it turns up from there. Yeah. And they had a big scuffle. Navarro shows up to break stuff up. But she wasn't really like she was basically literally just trying like what they say cops do which was like actually just trying to break it up not like taking a side or doing anything Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. uh leah hit her with some shit but she didn't know it was her she like threw something at her hit her with it which and she acted how a cop is supposed to act when you have Mm -hmm. one armor is to be Mm -hmm. like hey don't do that shit or like you know or you can just go over there and be Mm -hmm. like hey come with me or, or whatever but like a calm reaction but another cop acted like how cops actually react when you get hit with some shit when you're with armor. Mm-hmm. And they just grabbed Leah, threw her to the ground, took out the nightstick and started beating her. With I it. mean, and she's clearly not. I mean, I don't know who deserves a nightstick beating now that I think, now that I think about it. There's no good. I can think of some here. people who deserve a nightstick beating. Well, I mean, a night, I think that, but I think the case is the, the police, police, Police are so reactionary that the situations in which you believe somebody deserves nightstick, they're not there for those. The people who deserve nightstick, no, are yeah, they're never there yeah. for those. Like yeah. they'll never, they'll never nightstick a person who needs to be nightstick in the moment. Um, so that's why this is just like so frustrating. But yeah, like he doesn't just push her off; he nightsticks the shit out of her. And then Navarro comes up, throws like, her back off of the head, him. back of the head. Yeah, that she was bleeding. Navarro comes up, throws the officers like, she's just a kid. The fuck's wrong with you? He basically said, like, are you on their side or some shit like that? Uh, and and then Navarro said, basically oh, dropped word. her gloves. She said, meet me, meet me, and mopped him up. She got a three-piece in for, like, just out of nowhere. Yeah, she whipped his ass. Uh, and so then they cut back to the station, and Liz is on the phone, and Connolly's like, look, Kate wants you at the mine. And Liz is like, fuck that shit gotta do with me. That's the troopers. That's not my shit. And Connell's like, yeah, I know. And still, bring your ass down here. We got some shit to talk about now. And then she's like, wait, you gonna be there too? And then she realizes like, oh, this is the bullshit. Yeah, and then she gets a call from Navarro and it's clearly about Leah. And Navarro's pacing back and forth, but you see it from Leah's point of view. And she's basically asking like, what the fuck do you want me to do with her? And Navarro comes in the car and and she clearly has some compassion for Leah but she's also like Leah what the fuck like you ain't have to throw that shit at me like that was not necessary like what are you doing yeah uh and then she was like uh take me home and Navarro's like nah Liz told me to book you she's like what the fuck um but it was interesting because I think the show I think what the show was telling you is that after she after Liz found out that it was this big scuffle at the mine 
and then Leah mm-hmm. was like prominent in doing some fuck shit at the mine. I think in Liz's mind, in Liz's mind, I'm not, I don't support this, but in Liz's mind, she's like, she's not listening to me. She's escalating every time, every every day or every two days. She's doing something more aggressive or more radical. The only way I can get her to see this or to stop her is to lock her up, which is a depraved viewpoint. But I think that's what Liz's viewpoint was at the point at the time, because there's no other reason for you to be like book my own daughter. <laughs> Like you're not teaching her a lesson. It mm-hmm. was it was basically she was thinking, I have to protect you if you want to protect yourself. But that's never a good thing. Yeah, it's never a good thing to do. Um, so then Pryor rolls up and was like, Why the fuck are you booking her? And she's like, Never mind that. Uh oh no, she runs up to Pryor and was like, Did you know Leah was gonna be at the protest? And Pryor was like, No. And she's like, Don't fucking lie to me. And Pryor was like, bro, Kayla kicked me out because of you. And she was like, oh. And... Yeah, which I appreciate that she paused, but then she was like, it sucks to suck. Yeah. And she was like, you can come stay with me. And he was like, so you want me to get divorced, right? <laughs> and she was like, look. And, yeah, no, she's basically like, yeah, the divorce is... No. Oh, exactly. Yeah, she's like... um, she... But in her mind, the divorce is already coming. She's like, you don't come back from getting cut. Because she knows, one, you've been kicked out, like, unceremoniously. And two, she... Danvers is not going to stop being how she is. So this issue is not going away unless he chooses his family or police department. And it's like, if you feel a calling and are actually a detective and actually are solving murders, it's kind of crazy to like not, because you're like, okay, I can help. I have one son that I want to be there for. But then there's like people being murdered. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not a fair, it's like, it's like Stabler. <laughs> it's like Detective Stabler. And um, I told her his wife got blew up. It was just the stuff that he went through, and they just had this backstory of having six kids for no reason. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's what it is. It's it's hard to, it's not something that's easy to walk away from. No, it's not. Um, and so, prior to like, look, never mind that shit. Look what I found, and he basically says, "Remember that company Tuttle United, which was from season one." She was like, "Well, we found out that they actually like working with the mine." And the mind, so basically, the mind is bankrolling Salal, and and she immediately puts it together that like Salal was doing research, and they weren't just trying to like solve for this rare cell, real rare, like the God particle, whatever they were doing. They they also or whatever you know in the ice, um, they also are putting together ecological data and like uh environmental data. And she's like, oh, she's immediately is like, oh, they're cooking the numbers. Got it. And that was a little bit expositiony, but. Okay, cool. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, they're cooking the numbers. We think the law is being funded by the mine. I think, you know, white man gets paid off all of that. It's one of those situations. It's one of those things that happens a lot in real life that the practical person in me completely understands, but like the progressive in me gets upset. So kind of like in, it's kind of like in conflict because essentially what they're doing is basically like if we don't cook the numbers for these people. We ain't going to get these millions of dollars or how much money we need to actually do the good research that we're trying to do. So we're going to cook these numbers for this mine while we do this research so we can find this important shit that we're trying to do, right? That happens all the time in real life. Like, all the time in real life. You take money to, like, you have to, you have to, and sometimes it's worse than others and you have to say no. And then sometimes you'd be like, it's worth it and you got to say yes. And so, it appears here that it was worth it to them and they were cooking them numbers so that they weren't hitting 
I guess with when you're a mind, you got to have like a certain amount of you know, n- you can't put shit in the air. And they were basically lying and saying they're not putting that much shit in the air when they, they were probably actually were to keep that shit alive and whatever. So then they cut back to Pryor. He brings Le- Leah some chips and soda. Uh, Leah's like, "Look, uh, you are an asshole," and she's he's like, "You knew I was getting kicked out." She's like, of course yeah. I knew. She was crying the whole fucking day. Uh, and she was like, look, Kayla just remembered you when you was playing hockey and you lost and you looked sad and that made her feel bad for you. And so she always thought you were like this kid. I was like, is this supposed to make me like Kayla? That you like, you fell in love with him the day when he lost the game and looked like a loser because somebody scored on him and you felt bad for him? I was like, that's kind of... And that's and you want him to go back and get mad because he's not that person no more. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to think about. Yeah, this. I, I think there. This is this is one of those like. So it's just really reminding me of Yellowstone, which I think I talked about, right? And like they they do this actually. This is the exact same shit. That's cr- that just really hit me. So there's this like cop in Yellowstone one of the also Yellowstone is a crazy ass show to just, yeah, Yellowstone is a wild ass show okay so one of the because they just kill niggas right like they just kill off characters but anyway there's one bro, there's one son who's like ex-military and he comes home he's supposed to be chill this is Yellowstone he's supposed to be chill and relaxed and like off that shit you know what I mean he's a civilian now and like stuff keeps happening where he has to be a sharpshooter and be for his family for the ranch to protect it whatever whatever and then his wife is a native uh indigenous woman who like he fell in love with and she loves um and she loves him they love each other they, they have a lot of sex on screen but she's so offended by his politics and his family and she's so she's always so upset and she's always protesting and she's always like they make her very dramatic and like haughty and like righteous and the show that's already very self-righteous and so I'm always curious about that like it's kind of like this idea of I guess they're trying to deal with the struggle of being in an intercultural and interracial relationship or like in a relationship to be to be more frank right with a um being in a relationship with a white person who has some type of social and like like power right social financial power and you're a per, you're in a marginalized group and so i think there's always the tension there that people that usually when you see women be the non-white person they find a way to grapple with it right because it like women are the activists in a relationship so often right so there's a i think they're trying to speak to that tension but they're not they're doing it in a way where they're making the wife the indigenous wife seem very whiny and annoying because all she does is complain and cry right instead of like getting involved in the shit that's important to her or um, having her own kick-ass career where he has to be home you know like there's other ways to deal with this besides uh venting to your grandma and uh complaining and kicking him out so that's kind of what i don't like um yellowstone though she is justified because they be going through some shit over there so i guess i would really say that here she just don't like that he don't be home um anyway so uh the point of all of that was i don't really love how they're writing her i don't love this dynamic i don't love her jealousy um i don't love her jealousy without her speaking on it and to go back to the scene in the cell it's like Leah is already on her side, like you said, with Kayla, and we're supposed to feel for her. But I'm like, I don't see how Pryor's an asshole because 
I, as a viewer, am watching prior solve these murders. So why would I care more about that baby? I saw not to be funny, but that baby I saw one time versus these murders that need to be solved and this bigger conspiracy. Like, why would I be like, yeah, prior go home? Um, it's Christmas because that's what he that's not really what the audience is in it for. So that's why I'm like, what are they trying to do here? Isn't that what cops are supposed to be like, like him? Like, it seems like a good exactly. dude. Does things by the books for the most part until the end of this episode. And it's okay for him to and it's okay for him yeah. to change too. Like he's not because the whole thing about the the whole story was he threw the game for his classmate whose dad had a stroke recently. And to be honest with you, if he's playing the game, I'm playing the game too. You know what I'm saying? Like if he's not in the hospital yeah. dealing with it, we're playing the game. Like him doing all that is kind of like that's a weird way to be honorable, I think, like to throw a game. So that the boy, because like that win is not going to bring his dad's, you know, stop his dad from being paralyzed. Like that's not, that's not, not shit to do with it. But anyway, so, um, and knock on wood because strokes are very scary. So I would just say that, um, I didn't, it's just a very interesting thing. They're holding him to how he was in middle school. You know, this nigga's a full blown yeah. cop with a badge and the ability to murk people. And so Leah said, don't let Liz ruin the guy Kayla fell in love with. She's not good with people she cares about, which is a great line because that that is true. She's clearly not good with people she cares about. Um, Liz tells Navarro, uh, Leah comes in. I mean, Navarro comes in. It's like, dog, she's still here. And Liz is like, she's only doing this to piss me off. Again, she says that. Uh, she tells Navarro about the funding. Then they cut to the mine, and Liz, oh, because Liz was like, look, I gotta go because they're having a meeting about this bullshit. Um. And so she goes to the mine. Liz walks right in, giving zero fucks. They try to stop her at the front desk. She's like, I- I've been here before. I know where the fuck I'm going. Walks straight Love to the that. back. Uh, Kate's acting all nice. That's when you knew it was about to be some fuck shit. Uh, mm-hmm. She's like, oh, sit down. Oh, because she comes right in like, what the fuck you niggas want? Which I love. <laughs> Sorry to and, yell, but that's basically how she came in. And Connolly is basically uh, one of those people that's just like, I go where I gotta go to get where I'm trying to get to, and so he's just there. But he's like, she go this. She probably bankrolling his campaign or some shit. So he on her side. Uh, and Navarro and Liz was like, look, first thing first, that shit happened in the mind. That wasn't on me. Don't blame me. Don't even try to think about blaming me. And next, since I'm here, and then they cut her off. It's like, yeah, since you're here, we about to go talk. And they go into this meeting room, and they got Liz and Navarro on tape stealing boxes. Like Craig and Friday, uh, at the mine on Silver Star, Star property, and Kate's like, I mean, it's funny because they're just standing there, and she's like, "Why are you on pro- our property, bitch?" Because I'm the chief of police. How the f- like the fact that she's getting called in to be held accountable for where she steps. Let her lets her know this. Like, I think from here on out, she knows where this is where she stands like she's no longer mm-hmm. she, she either is going to get along and go along or she has to leave and she case start asking her questions like she has her boss oh what was you doing there who was the engineer that gave you this information what was this information what was the leads and Kate and Liz is like she was giving us the information at first and then she was like hold on why am I talking to you about this shit like you're not my fucking boss um and then she gets and, but her talk. boss is sitting there quiet and so Kate basically says, well, it's a good thing that this isn't a murder case no more. And Liz is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then that's when Connolly tells her that it can't, the autopsies came back from Anchorage 
And the official cause of death is an avalanche. And Liz is like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you talking about, an avalanche? And Kate's like, yes, avalanche. So let's, like, wrap this shit up and uh, keep it moving. And then Liz gets heated and then basically tells her, yeah, you just mad because your husband can't fuck good. (laughs) And she storms off. That's why I thought she was talking about what's his name. Because I'm like, this is so specific to bring up right in this exact moment. But you know he fucks good, at least to her, because he keeps uh, keep running to his house right. in the middle yeah, of the night. Right. She, it's like they said, it's been going on 19 damn years. What have you been doing for 19 years straight? Nothing. Mm, how old am I? Drink. For... Wait, what? how old is that? Um... Wow, yeah, the only things one. I can think of are, are <laughs> the only things I can think of are, are uh, unwholesome. So, yeah, I guess. I mean, that I've been watching TV. I guess I've been watching like I've been I've been re- obsessed with TV since then, maybe you could say, where I've loved Little Romeo. I think that's like Oh my god. I mean, that's just that's just a, the truth of the matter, the matter of truth. That's what happens. So, this is when uh, Liz is like, kindly, this is bullshit. This is related to the Annie K case. They're linked. We can solve both of these shits. The fuck are you doing? And it kindly didn't even answer. It was just like starts naming facts about the Wheeler case. And, and I was like, oh shit, he knows about this shit. And then Well, I mean, here's the thing. I would th- I would think he knew about like an off he should know about the case in general, right? Like it seems yeah, but like he knows that it was right. bullshit. Cause he goes right, but it go was he because he says it was listed as a murder-suicide, but it actually wasn't no suicide, was it, Liz? And Liz is basically like, I don't know what you're talking about. She was like, cut the fucking bullshit. I know what y'all did that night. So you're going to play along here and end this fucking case and go on with your happy-ass way or else. He's basically like, or else this shit going to come out. And so I'm wondering, this made me wonder, is Liz protecting herself or protecting Navarro? Because we still don't know exactly what went down. Well, I have a theory of what went down, which I'll get to in a second, which I text Chanel about. But um, I wonder who she's protecting here. Uh, so then they cut to Kate and Hank. And Kate is, this is where she looks super devious. It's one of those things you see on TV shows all the time where you're in the oh, middle definitely. of nowhere and you get out of your car and you get into the other car. And Kate's like, Keep, well, how we've seen it up. in the past, how is somebody being like, all right, so we got the kilos coming in on the boat tomorrow. You got to <laughs> yeah. have your man ready. That's basically what it was. And so she's basically like, they won't give this shit up. And Hank's like, oh, she's like, Liz won't give this shit up. And she's like, what the fuck you want me to do about that shit? <laughs> like, what you want me to do? Hank's like, what you want me to do about it? And he's like, the engineer. And she, he's like, Kate, I'm not a killer. Like, I'm not really like you already got me to do some bullshit earlier. And then she goes, I didn't tell you to kill him. I need you to say it. And then he goes, You didn't ask me to kill him. She goes, Exactly. He just needs to disappear or some shit like that. That shit was I was like, Oh, she's been here before. She was like, He's a junkie. Junkies disappear, you know, make it happen. Um, and so then they cut to the laundry mat. Navarro's there. She gets another vision she sees like some black hair in the laundry and the uh wash machine she starts like trying to pull it all out and shit and the attendant comes i was like hey you all right and she's like yeah i'm good and then kavik shows up with some dude named kenny and he gives her back the spiral rock uh 
And she's like, look, tell him what, can you tell him what you told me? And he was like, look, my granddad told me to walk away whenever I saw those. And she's like, why? And he's like, it's a warning. It tells people where the ice is thin, where it'll cave in into the ice case. And he was like, but we ain't listen to that shit. And we used to go break that shit up on purpose to go in there and see what was down there. Uh, and they call it the night country when you get down there. And I was like, all right, that's more exposition, but I, I see where it's going here. Um, and so they cut back to the station. Navarro busts in, and she's all she's all on one. Like, Liz, we know where to fucking go. I know how to get into the caves. I know how you get in there. And Liz is, like, trying to stop her because she basically got the ixnay on this case. And she if, finally goes, like, kindly shutting this shit down. And Navarro's like, fuck him. We'll do it anyway. And she's like, he knows about Wheeler. And that's when she calmed down. And she was like, how does he know? Like, what does he know? And she's like, he he knows it all. And then she was like, well, still fuck that. I'm about to go talk to Otis. And Liz is like, didn't you just, like, destroy the fucking lighthouse? They're not finna let you in that door no more after what you did last week. Um, and she was like, all right, she's like, let it's time to let Annie go, is what Liz said to Navarro. And Navarro thought about it for like 15 seconds. And then she was like, All right, then this is on you. Like, I hope Annie lives with you. I hope you wake up every day and see her face. Like, if you don't do, if you don't get the you know, for the lack of a better term, if you don't get the balls to go do something and do something about this, then this is gonna be on your conscience. It's off me now. I'm putting it on you. I'm I'm moving on. And she walks mm-hmm. out, and Liz's face is like, fuck. Like, you can see her. Like, cause she, cause like you said earlier in the episode, she actually did care. Even when she was pretending not to care about this case, she was still looking up shit, trying to find shit about this case, even though on the on mm-hmm. the surface she acted tough. Like so she calm and ready to drop bombs. Yeah, but she was she was actually looking up shit. So Navarro storms out. She lets Leah out. Uh Hank comes in to try to like get the tea from prior and he acted real shady and this is where they like try to make you feel a little bit from hank because you can see what he's like what i think what he's trying to do in this episode is like if i can just get my son back like i'll drop this other shit and he tries to tell him this story about when prior was like skating on the ice outside and the ice broke and he fell in the water under the ice and then the current took him and so he had to run and try to get ahead of the the current and break the ice and then grabbed him to get him out before he got hypothermia and drowned and died, which is kind of a, some scary fucking shit if you think about that shit. Falling through some ice and getting stuck under ice, like, you are fucked. <laughs> uh, somebody's not there to get you. Um, oh, did we we did we did talk about Navarro almost going through the ice? That's next. That's the next scene. So uh, the next scene is with Rose okay. and Navarro, and Rose is, like, busting through the ice, and basically... What we said earlier is that Navarro wants to put Jules' ashes in the ocean. And so she puts him in there. She's like, go be in the ocean. That's where you want to be. And she stands up and she looks out into the ocean, like into the sea. And then she like cuts back, like blacks out. And she sees, she like goes back to Afghanistan, somewhere in the Middle East when she was in the military. And then she just starts like walking forward into the, and then the ice breaks. And then Rose tells her to fall on the ground. And basically, the reason why you do that is because it it distributes your weight evenly, so that you don't just like fall through the ice and like spreads your weight out, and that's how they can drag you back without the ice cracking. It's like a real thing. So she tells her to get down, 
and she kind of drags her out from that section. So she was about to go out into the sea where her sister went. And this is where I came up with my theory that I think Navarro is one of the killers. I think she'd be blacking out, which we see over and over again. And when she blacks out, she changes or has a different personality or as a different person comes out and she's hell bent on revenge. And we see it later in this episode that everybody's pointing at her. Like you go do something like the little girl points at her, her mama in the vision points at her, her sister pointed at her, Annie K pointed at her elders in the hospital pointed at her basically like either it's you it's like it's either they're even saying it's you you're the one who's doing this shit or you need to go do some shit in her mind and she goes and do some shit and they keep saying she awakes she awakens she awakens and i think they're talking about navarro's other side awakens and is doing some fuck shit what do you think about that you know You might have spoiled it. You might have gotten it. I That's mean, I think the theory. finger the finger pointing is a strong point because who the fuck are they pointing at? Like they're always pointing, like you said. They but I will say though, like when a homeboy got possessed in the in the um hospital, he said, Your mom's waiting for you, but he like pointed kind of across the room. It didn't it didn't seem like he pointed right at her. And then mm. the but the girl, the girl, the little girl definitely pointed right at her ass. The little boy definitely did. So I think there's enough of that to say. Um to say that that could be it i do think like that she's awake um i think i think it's all of it right i think somebody could have awoken something i think that she could have she's really entranced i think that you know maybe if they had probably if we don't know how they found lily so we mm-hmm. don't know if Lily had similar injuries right so there could be something about walking into the sea and it just being it um there's definitely a connection between uh dead spirits and like dead people spirits and like going out there so it's something's calling to her so i think that that probably wraps that up better than we thought but that would be really oh and so i guess i could be she saw somebody point at her during the wheeler situation and killed him and maybe like it's uh, maybe that's what happened, and so we might see that flat. We're gonna see that reveal at the same time that we reveal the um the killer for sure. I guess the thing that makes me the most sad is that we are um the that makes me the most sad is like that would be so much that would be too much for her to live with. I agree. Um, I agree one hundred percent. So then they cut to Kayla's house. Liz is there. She's on her like this is this is where like the heel. Or like the arrogant person is on there like I'm realizing that I'm fucked up and I need to be better before they do the heroic thing to her. So she goes to talk, but I like how they did this because she goes to talk to Leah and Leah's like, what the fuck? I'm in the t- I'm in the tub. Like, you know, like a teenager would say if your mama walked in on you sitting in the tub. And Leah's like, Liz's like, you do this shit just to fuck with me. And Liz is like, Leah's like, everything's not about you. And right. Liz is like, you could have died. And she's like, you're being dramatic. <laughs> and then she says, I got this case. And Leah's like, the Annie K case? And she's like, you know everything she fought for still happening. There was like six stillbirths last week. Like, that shit's still happening. Like, what are you going to do about this shit? And then Liz is obviously feeling bad about it. 
But then she's just like, can you just come home for New Year's? Which is like the most, in her own way, she's basically begging her, like, look, I'm sorry I fucked up. Just come spend this holiday with me, please. Um, and Leah just was yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, it, it's not even like in her own way. Like, that's a... You, leave, you walk out on your parent or your caregiver, and they check on you and they come and say can you come home for the holiday like that's a that's the as clear as anybody would get i guess like she's not addressing mm-hmm. all the issues but she's being very clear like i want you home for a holiday and so leah didn't really answer and then she said and liz was basically like all right fuck that then I, i'm out uh and then she was like leah when she was walking out leah was like you know, I didn't give up on you yet, Liz, which I thought was really touching. Um, I hated because... that. I'm like, don't don't ignore that bitch and then be like, by the way, just want to let you know. It's just like, that's from the Kayla School of Dramatics. Like, just literally be like, all right, I'll come home next week or say, no, I'm not coming home. But don't give her hope like that. that I don't know. I just didn't. That didn't touch me. It didn't touch. It touched me. It touched me. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you were touched by something. Everyone deserves a little touching every once in a while. Yeah, a lot. And then they go to this warehouse where they keep the bodies because it's too fucking cold to bury them. And she walks in, she sees all these wooden caskets and like these tiny ones for these babies, the stillborn babies that passed. And that really hit Liz. And she was ba- that was that was the thing that just like sent her over like, what the fuck am I like, what am I doing? Like <laughs> I'm either gonna do the right thing or I'm gonna be part of the problem. And I'm not finna be part of the problem, was basically what this was. So then they cut back to the station. She grabs some shit out of the evidence tank uh, box. She sees Hank creeping around. And she was like, you told that nigga about uh, Wheeler, didn't you? And Hank just sat there with this dumbass look on his face. And then she knew it. And then she tells Pryor, like, get your laptop. Get in my office right fucking now. And she basically put two to two together that Hank went through his laptop because uh, Pryor was trying to figure out what the fuck happened. Because she he knew uh liz was lying to his ass and she was like i want to know what the fuck actually happened uh and so she tells him question me you've been one you've been one to digging this shit ask me what you want to know and so he asked a bunch of questions to get to the point that we found out that uh wheeler was not left-handed i mean that he was left-handed and so they basically if it was suicide it would have been on the other side of the body and they essentially photoshopped all the crime scene photos or reverse them to somehow where all the like the the punch marks on the women were on the other on the woman was on the other side and the gunshot wound was on the other side to make it seem like that, but they didn't realize that he was left-handed. And so prior figured that shit out and knew that they state they staged that shit. We still don't know what actually happened, but we know that they took that nigga out and then they staged it to make it look like a suicide. And then Liz tells you, I'm not answering your fucking question. She didn't confirm it. And then she said, look, clearly you don't have no place to stay. Your daddy went through your computer, so you're not fucking with him. Take this key. Go stay in this cold-ass storage facility behind my house, the shed, and you can come in for food and shit when I get back. And she left. And they had a quick cut to Kavik's house where Navarro shows up, and she didn't want to talk. She just wanted to be hugged, essentially, because, you know, she was going through some shit. And then we get the ending sequence of the show with Liz and Otis. Liz shows up to the lighthouse, tells Otis, I got what you need. Come with me. I got what you need. 
Uh, you're gonna guide us through this cave, though. But I'm hooking. Wait, you up. sorry. Did we? Okay, the next it's coming next. I keep getting confused. Mm -hmm. It's coming next. Okay, got it. Yeah. So then Liz calls Navarro and tells her to come meet her at the crib. And while he's talking to, he's like, "Look, before I give you this shit, though, you need to tell me how I get into these caves." So he points to this place and he's like, "This is the highest point. This is how you get in." And then she was like, "All right, then here's your here's your heroin. Throws him a little bag of heroin. He got some uh, like a straw and some like aluminum foil." To smoke that shit. Then they cut to Navarro and she's driving to Liz's place. A little girl and her mama's walking across the street and the little girl just stops and points at her. At least in her mind, the little girl just stops and points at her. And then they do like a flashback of all the other people that I mentioned earlier pointing at her. Um, and then she keeps going. Hank shows up and Hank's like, look, Connolly told me to come bring this engineer in. And Liz's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, oh, yeah, he got a warrant. Okay, yeah. sorry. So we, so we did. We, I did miss you going over it. When um, the scene with uh, Pryor, and I must have missed that because yeah. I, I really wanted to talk about when Hank, um, when he cussed Hank out. I just don't think we, we doubled down. On oh, that. I did skip past that part. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so basically she's, she's puts, she puts it all together, right? So she, we know this because she goes into, um, she goes into the evidence locker and we don't know why. And we find out that it's to steal heroin and she's doing that because, um, she wants to get Otis high. And so she, when she does that, um, we see, Oh boy, come around the corner. We see Hank come around the corner and she's like looking at him. And it's all kind of, I, I don't know if she already had put it together, but it all kind of goes together with there where she realizes, okay. So all of a sudden, like you said, all of a sudden, homeboy knows about this shit with, with, um, with, uh, the one they killed. Oh. Wheeler. Wheeler. All of a sudden, homeboy knows about Wheeler. So she just kind of puts it together how this shit must have happened. And so she recognizes that it must have been. So prior asked her, prior must have went and asked Hank to see, like, if she was telling the whole story. That must have got um, everybody going. And then uh, they were able to put that shit together. So I think with her recognizing that, um, she. With her recognizing that, she's basically like, put this. Okay, they have a, they have a scene where. They have a very emotional scene, actually, where she's like, ask the question, and she keeps interrupting him, be like, no, 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 ask the question, and it eventually gets to him, her being like, uh, him being like, did you kill him, and her being like, I don't think you want to know, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the that's that's the I just shortened a really emotional scene, um, and so anyway, they have their. They have that back and forth where she's basically like, you know, you want to know so fucking bad and now like you've unleashed this on me, which is not his fault at all. Um, so anyway, she helps him put it together that that is what happened. And so um, when his when when she leaves, his dad comes in and he literally says, get the fuck away from me. And I sat up in my chair, baby, because I said, I cannot believe I cannot believe he's standing up to his dad for once. So for whatever reason, um, 
he stood up he stood up for him um he stood up for himself he told his dad to fuck off he told him to get away from him he he's not gonna stay there anymore like all of this happens because he finally hank finally actually betrayed his trust when it comes to the job that matters so much to him and i think that that is relevant because um you know when he slapped him in the face when he was not a good dad all that shit when all that happened he was cool but this right here was unforgivable to him and it's probably because of how he made him look in the context of his hero uh yeah exactly uh and yeah that was that was the straw that broke everything with uh pete uh so yeah so hank is basically beating around the bush and then liz is like what the fuck are you really doing here and then she takes because liz was comfortable in her house and she had her gun on the table he takes her gun throws that shit away it's like look I'm taking this nigga in. Where the fuck is he? And then Otis strolls out the bathroom after getting high. And he was like, you're coming with me. And Liz is like, look, this, this, this he's basically trying to talk Hank down. The shit don't have to go down. Like, it's clear that somebody has got some shit over you, Hank. We can fight through this together. It's probably the same people we're fighting. Like, she's like basically saying that shit. And Hank's like, no, this nigga's coming with me. Otis tries to, like, run. He takes, like, a not even run. He takes, like, a a, a a a aggressive step towards the door and Hank shoots him right in the back. You on mute. Damn, I was about to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. So essentially as we saw, um Hank is Hank is pissed because he, and he's gonna blame her basically for taking his son away from him when the bottom line is that he hit him being a spy basically for the mine and him having that level of like uh him not being loyal and him like taking information or whatever is why they actually are not cool anymore but he kind of blames liz and so in his mind he's like all right i'm gonna kill i'm gonna kill him and then i'm a double i'm gonna do a double wheeler where it looks like you are you've killed otis and then i i'll kill you and then we go from there um, and he just doesn't know that, and he doesn't think through the fact that as a result of what just happened, the fact that he did quote unquote lose his son, um, his son's already there. But in that moment, he's killing him, and like he, that was what he was going to do no matter what. And she does say, I don't know what they have on you. I wonder what it is. And I actually wonder what it is too, because what the fuck do they have on this man? And yeah. Well, they got they if they got that on Liz, they got something on Hank because he definitely not as he definitely not as smart as Liz in Navarro. So he he probably much sloppier in his bullshit. Um, so he shoots he shoots Otis. Otis is still alive, by the way, and he was like, "No, I'm about to finish this shit." Puts another one in his back, kills him. He dead. As soon as he does that, Pete walks in. Prior walks in. It's like, what the fuck is going on in here? Liz knows what's about to happen, and Liz is like, "Prior, don't do no, fu- don't do this. It's gonna fuck with you, Hank. Don't do this. You're gonna fuck your son up for life. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, we can get out of this shit if we all just calm the fuck down." Hank is making one last pitch to Pete. He's basically like, "Come on, Pete, help me take care of this. Like, help your old man out. We can do this together." And Pete's thinking about it but he's like mm. he's like come on let's do this and then Pete's like put the gun down and then that's when Hank realized that he was gone he wasn't coming back to his side and 
he said he said to him he was like just so y'all know i didn't kill annie k i just moved the body which is crazy exposition but we needed to hear it but it's just so blunt like i i did not kill annie k i moved the body uh but then he said um but he looked at Penny. was like i want you to remember this which told me oh he knew what was about to happen because he goes, Pete, I want you to remember this. Uh, blood is blood. And then he puts his gun towards Liz, and Pete shoots his head, shoots his father right in the fucking head, dead, um, and drops to the ground. And Navarro and Liz comes over to console him, and he's going through it. And then Navarro comes in, and she just sees the gun on the floor. Otis dead, Hank dead, Pete in the corner crying, and Liz just distraught and then they do like a little quick um like i don't know they just get like a shot of the night and some shit and they come back and then navarro's like all right this is what we finna do we're gonna clean this shit up we're gonna take their body out in the middle of nowhere we're gonna make hank's body disappear it's gonna make it seem like he did what he actually did which was kill otis try to get rid of the body but then the accident happened and he and his body's gone and we're going to clean this shit up in this house. And then we're going to go to these caves because we are close. And we're going to figure this shit out. And Liz was like, no, I'm going to call Connolly. And the boss like, no, the fuck you not. If you call Connolly, this little this boy, your boy is going to go down. Like, he's done. He was like, you don't want that. And then Pete was like, I agree. And he, Liz was like, what? And he was like, it's what we have to do. And then Navarro's like, we're going to go to the mines and he'll clean. And she's like, no, I'll stay here. She's like, no. And then Pete's like, look, I will clean. I will clean. I will, He said it three times. I will clean. She's like, you can't have Navarro go to the mines by herself. She needs backup. You go with her. I will clean. And then Navarro was like, this is what you're going to do. You're going to clean this shit up real good. You're going to take the body to Rose. And you're going to tell him we need a Julia. Uh, which basically means you they about to cremate Hank's ass and not even know he's gone. Uh, yeah, she says, Take take you to Julia, it makes him repeat it because, like you said, um, he's they want him to walk, they want him to walk H- Hank and, and Otis out to the part, the frozen part of the ocean and drop them in. Um, the only problem I have is that didn't oh, actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. Wherever Navarro uh, left Julia's ashes must be a more secure place than when Julia tried to first die by suicide because she got found immediately. So yes. I don't think that that's the best thing to do. So as long as they make sure they go to that second spot, but that first spot is not an option. Yeah, because we know it's out the boondocks because it's out by Rose's shit. And so it's way Right, but all, that all seems like the same thing to me. So I guess like in my mind, we're, oh, I guess the shipwreck, the ship, the ship is a different place. Then yeah. um, where that okay, got you. And so then the last scene we see is them driving through this blizzard to the cave, and it cuts off, and that's in episode five. What are you looking forward to in the finale, Chanel? Well, like I said, like I feel like the way that we just went through that last sequence, and I know we're doing it for time, but also like how fast it happened, I'm always like in shock. I guess there can be good things when a show does something like that right but i'm always in when the show like moves along um but i'm always in shock when it's like how do we get here this fast um 
So I feel like a lot happened at the end as we discussed. And, you know, game is game. That's how it is. But um, I guess I'm looking forward to... I am looking forward to, like, a resolution, right? So we're done, and we would definitely know who the murderer is. Like, there's no way around that. Um, We are... So we're done with that. We are going to get some clarity about Navarro, about um, the mines, hopefully. Like, you know, I think we all hope that the mines get taken down um, and the evil people are no longer prospering. We'll see about that. I mean, I think it'd be way more realistic if the corporation wins in the end, but that could just be me. Not saying I want that to happen, but that is what happens. Um, Yeah, you know, it's just like, I guess I'm looking forward to them wrapping up this story in a way that's respectable. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm interested to see if they go real or supernatural. They've been playing on the, they've been balancing that this entire season. Like, is there actually something supernatural or is there a legitimate something behind all of this shit happening? And they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so they're going to have to pick a side, I think. I I don't think they're going to leave it open-ended. At least I don't think. So I think they're going to have to pick a side in this finale. And I'm interested to see what side they pick. You mean like with who who murdered? They're going to have to find a murderer? Yeah. Like, is are these people seeing shit? And is this, is there really some crazy shit happening in this town? Or is there an explanation for everything that we've seen that's like, because True Detective definitely had an ending, right? They always had an ending. Yeah. True Detective had an ending. Yep. The first season of True Detective was like, hey, this is weird shit going on. But actually, the real bad guys are these, these terrible people, these cultists in this or in this business, right? This corporation. And so it, it brought it, it, it grounded it at the end. It was like, no, actually, it's it's the typical, you know, it's the shit that you think would be bad. But this season's leaned even more heavily into the supernatural. And so I'm wondering if they if they go there or if they bring it back to how True Detective always does, which is uh grounded into something uh but anything else before we go um no i mean i think that you know i like this show a lot i think that like the actresses are doing something cool i'm i'm getting skeptical i guess maybe the reviews are getting to me but i'm getting skeptical about how they land this plane um i do hope that it works itself out truly and I guess we'll see what happens. So I guess that is it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Brandon, do you have anything to add before I close out? Nope. All right, Bet. Well, um, you guys, as always, we thank you for listening. We hope to see you next week. Um, sending your emails to we was dragons pod pod at gmail.com. You can find us on anywhere where you are listening to this podcast and give us a five-star review. If you have feedback for us, you can give us mean feedback, whatever you want to say. Just go ahead and do that shit uh, with a five-star review, please. Um, you can also, like I said, send us that email or find us on social media, the information's in the show notes. Until then, as always, um, please stay detecting.